Good morning. Certainly good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for your attendance. Thank you for your participation. It's always good to see everyone out on the first day of the week. Certainly want to thank Joe, Jacob for that, for that reading. Appreciate very much. It's always encouraging to see these, these young brethren get up here and do that and give their time and efforts. And it's especially encouraging for us older geriatric guys, is, is what the doctor recently called me. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we continue to see that. Appreciate Jacob very much in that. Sometimes we start out with a little bit of a funny story, a little bit of a uh, joke or something. I'm not very good at jokes, but we did have a very interesting thing Lonnie and I did this week. We deliver meals, and some of you have done this with, with Lonnie too. And there's one particular lady we deliver meals to in town who turned 100 years old last April. And she has, as she lives by herself, as might be expected, she has health problems, she has difficulties, she had, has all these things, uh, procedures and different things, and she's not always in a very good mood. Sometimes, and she's never unkind or anything, but she just is a little grouchy. I would be too. But this particular Monday last week, we go up to her, and, and it's always a little interesting to see what we might find with the lady. Like I say, she lives by herself, so... The procedure is you knock on the door and ring the doorbell, and, and you hear her, and so you open the door. Senior citizens, you ready for some lunch? And so you step in. She has a chair just inside the door. So as we do that, and I'm, I'm doing that, she's coming towards me on her walker, kind of slow. And so the procedure is to set the lunch down there and the, and the drink behind it, and she's coming towards me. And you don't really know what to expect. Sometimes, you know, she... She may need to vent a little bit. She's not unkind. She just may need to vent a little bit. But as she walks toward me, she's giggly and she's tickled. So you're a little, I was a little bit taken aback by that. She said, I got a joke for you. Okay. <laughs> That's probably the last thing that we would expect. She said, I got a joke for you. Okay, sounds good. She said, here's what she said. Why did the golfer bring two pair of pants? I said, do what? This is very out of character. <laughs> she, you know, why did the golfer bring two pair of pants in case he got a hole in one? She had to repeat that one for me too. I, <laughs> so I put it on the board so hopefully I wouldn't have to repeat it. So, and, and it was just an interesting story. It was so nice to see this lady who's in pain and in agony and having problems. She's had procedures. She's had burns on her arms that she's kind of recovered from this year. So it was very uh, heartwarming to see her joyful to see her giggling and, and just to, she couldn't wait to tell me that joke so that's it again I thank Jacob for the reading of the morning thank you so much for that has nothing to do with the lesson by the way nothing to do with that but this is an interesting passage for me Deuteronomy 6 will be in the New King James Version this morning this is the first commandment that God gave and this wasn't the giving of the commandment by God this was Moses relaying this message to the children of Israel. He received the Ten Commandments over previously in Exodus 20. So you can come over, go over there and look at it if you want. But I thought it was interesting the things that God started out with his children by requiring. Briefly run through this again. The first verse says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, commanded Moses to teach them, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess that you may fear the Lord your God, keep all of his statutes and his commandments, which I command you. 
you, your son, and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of, our, of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Fear the Lord your God. Keep his statutes, his commandments, which I command you. You, your son, your grandson, hyperbole for keep it forever. As long as the law of Moses goes, as long as these laws are in effect. And you'll be blessed. If we do this, we're going to be blessed. They were going to be blessed. Your days will be prolonged. It may be well with you if you're careful to observe it. Careful to observe it. You're going to be blessed multiplied greatly and occupy a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These are the words which I command you today. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Not casually, not, what was that first commandment? Love God. Yeah, maybe. No, it's not what he said. He said, have them in your heart. Have it diligently. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Diligently teach them to our children. Diligently talk about them in our homes, socially. I'm not talking about standing on the street corner with a sign and being a nuisance. I'm just talking about it being important to you. Well, this is Old Testament. This doesn't count. Well, we'll talk about that too in just a second. Talk about them. When you lie down, when you rise up and bind them as a sign on your hand, a lot of disagreement on what this might mean, you know, making a mark on your hand. But this is bind us to tie. Bind us to tie. And have that, whatever it was, tied on your hand. I tend to believe that the cuffs on, on their on the sleeve of their shirt, that they would tie a knot on that. And many of the scholars tend to believe that. Frontlets between your eyes tend to be the ladies sometimes wore jewels. The men sometimes wore the phylacteries with the boxes and different things hanging down. Can you ignore that? Does that mean we can casually? Is there anything about it that's lackadaisical? Is there anything about these requirements that, re that allows, allowed them to be half-hearted? This was a constant, diligent effort. That's what I'd like for us to, to talk about this morning. All in. All in. From the very first commandment of the law of Moses, God has required his children to be all in. All in. Jesus did a loose quotation of this, kind of a summarization of these first two uh, commandments in Mark, the 12th chapter. Mark 12, and starting there in verse 28, the Bible says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he, that's Christ, had answered them well, he asked him. So he noticed that Christ was sharp, he was good, he made sense. He, holy man, all these things, he answered them well. But he was still put up by the Pharisees to ask this question, so he did. He asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here he's quoting Deuteronomy 6. He says, you shall, now not exactly, it's a paraphrase, but he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength. 
This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Matthew's account of this, Jesus is quoted as saying, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All of the law and the prophets, all of the law of Moses is predicated on these two commands. The second commandment isn't, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But the first group of commandments is about loving God. The first four, the last six, are about loving one another. So he's paraphrasing a little bit here. But the second is like it to it, like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. All in. All in. Well, but you know, we've got, we've got distractions. Franklin gave a very good lesson on that a while back. On distractions, we've got things that, and, and these are a lot of times, they're very important. They're things that we have responsibility to take care of. And they tend to keep us from being all in from time to time. Well, I need to do this, or I need to do that. Disruptions, attractions, good and bad. Disruptions, good and bad. Obligations, good and bad. But we find ourselves being pulled away. That's what life is. It's, it's distractions. And we're going from one distraction to the next. One disruption, disruption to the next. If we're not in the middle of a disruption now, we're just leaving one or just headed toward one. These things all tend to take our focus. And you know, for thousands of years now, generals, army leaders have used this idea of trying to figure out a way to get these soldiers to be all in. Thousands of years. Sun Tzu wrote a book 500 or so years before Christ. He, uh, he's attributed as being the author of this book named Art of War. And he taught military leaders to burn their boats and destroy bridges behind them during military campaigns as they advanced into new territory. He maintained that soldiers with, left without the option to retreat are far more motivated to prevail. Burn the boats, there's no place to go. Burn the bridge, there's no place to go. I would say those soldiers are, are highly motivated to win the battle. Greek soldiers also understood this concept. When they reached the shores their generals were often also known to say, burn the boats. Alexander the Great did this. Greek generals knew the power of motivation and necessity. Brothers and sisters, do we see the necessity and are we motivated by that necessity? Highly motivated. They didn't give soldiers the option to hesitate, to doubt, to be distracted or to retreat. And these soldiers didn't even know where they were going, what they were doing, they put putting all of their trust in those leaders to lead them to victory. But the generals made sure they followed, destroyed their means of retreat. They were highly motivated because there was no other option. Knowing their very survival was at stake, they still followed their leaders into very dangerous situations. Alexander the Greek burned his boats upon the arrival in the shores of Persia. He told his troops, we go home in Persian ships or we die. I think those soldiers were motivated. By doing this, he committed his men to victory over the Persians who greatly outnumbered his troops. His decision was masterful. It may have been a little foolish, but it was brave and certainly proved to be a masterful decision. One more, and I'll climb out of the rabbit hole. 1519, Spanish captain Hernan Cortez also gave the order. When he arrived in the New World in Mexico, he had 600 soldiers approximately 16 or so horses, as uh, historians tell us, and 11 ships. 
against overwhelming odds of thousands of Aztec warriors in southern Mexico, Central America, jungles and everything else, he gave the order to burn the boats. So these, all these soldiers began their journey into hostile lands with an attitude of no surrender, no retreat, and their generals made sure that they stayed highly motivated. All in, burn the boats. This is an artist's rendition of what the fire of those 11 ships of Cortez might have actually looked like. Can you imagine, and there's some disagreement whether this actually took place. Legend sometimes says things that may not have, have taken place. But an artist gave us this rendition. Can you imagine in any of these instances turning around and looking behind you and seeing that? Seeing a scene similar to that. That's what I would like for us to talk about this morning. All in. All in. Burn the boats. Getting rid of everything that might distract us. Everything that might make us lose our focus. Love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Teach these laws to your children. Talk of them at home. Talk of them socially. And when you lie down and when you rise up, talk of them. You shall tie them on your hand. Keep them as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on your doorposts and on your gates. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's all in. That's all in. How do we do that? Talking about being motivated here, and we understand that, but how do we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength? How do we do that? You know, we think about love as, yeah, this warm, fuzzy feeling, but how do we, certainly we appreciate, we cannot overstate the thing that, things that God has done for us. We love him because he first loved us and showed that in so many ways, countless ways. But ultimately, he did that in the giving of his son. So how do we return that love? How do we, how do, we do that? First thing we realize is love isn't an emotion. You've probably heard this too, hopefully. I'm not saying there's not some feelings involved. I'm not saying that, that there won't be at some point feelings involved, but it's a decision. It's not an emotion. Godly love is a choice to do good for another person regardless of what we feel. To do God's will, even if we don't feel like it. Because the more we practice that, the more we feel good about it. You ever made a simple trip to the hospital to visit someone? Kind of made you feel good when you left, didn't it? Brought a meal over to someone, done something good for someone. There's a little bit of warm and fuzzy on the end of that. But it started with that decision, regardless of how we feel. Regardless if we felt good that day. John said it best, 1 John 3 and 18, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Love your enemies. We can't always feel warm and fuzzy when we try to love someone. We can't always do that. And the difference between the Old Testament version, Deuteronomy, Exodus 20, the reference to love God was an affection, was a fondness, was, was our ability to love him, but it was love could have been good or bad. It could have been a positive thing. It could have been a negative thing. It was a fondness. It was an affection. Different in the New Testament. Agape for the first time. Agape. Sacrificial love. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. We can do that if it's a decision. Even praying for our enemies. It's not as easy. It's not as easy as praying for those we love. It, it's just not. You're attacked by somebody. It's not as easy to pray for that person. It's just not. But if we do that, if we practice that, if we make the decision to do that, as we, it will get easier. It will get easier. We will feel better about it. New commandment. Agape didn't exist prior to Christ. 
There was no such word. A new commandment I give you, give to you. He's telling his disciples, Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you. Godly love is returned. Christ's love is returned. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do we show godly love? By loving each other. And that's not the decision. That's, that is a decision. It's not a warm and fuzzy. But it's amazing how the warm and fuzzy follow. Sacrificial love means to cherish, to prize, to value, and treasure. To treasure. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. With all your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. It's what we treasure. It's what we place in the priority. And God says, above all else, love him. He commands us to love him with every fiber of our being. And that, that dedication, that effort, that attention to details in all we say and do, being all in, manifests itself in doing good to others. Boy, I'm stepping on my own feet. We struggle with this. All in, everything we do, no distractions. We struggle with this. I certainly do, but it doesn't end there. Love God. Love our fellow man. What else? How else do we love God? We do that by loving our fellow man, but that's not all. 1 John 5, a lot of good information on love in 1 John. 1 John 5 and 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, that's Christ, also love him who is begotten of Christ. So if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, we're born of God. Born, begotten, begotten is all the same word. They translated it differently, but it's all the same word, all the same Greek word. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him, that's Christ, also loves our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's a decision, too. That's a decision, too. Agape commanded of God's children is love, kindness, and obedience, and obedience, and to love God above all else. Love God above all else. I didn't read the last two verses. Got a little ahead of myself. Verse 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So, not warm and fuzzy. Decision, isn't it? Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdens. How do we love God? By loving each other and keeping his commandments and doing it with everything we've got. No prisoners. No distractions. No means of retreat also includes obedience and loving God above all else. He has to be above everything else. Luke 14, 25, now great multitudes went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone does not, anyone comes to me and does not hate his, his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple who does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Everything has to be here. It doesn't mean hate. We're commanded not to hate. It means to love less. We're not supposed to hate our parents. We're not supposed to hate ourselves, but we have to love less. And it's in this context, John 12, love less because they didn't. John 12 and 42, nevertheless, even among the rulers that believed in him, even among the rulers that believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. It has to be number one. Above all else, above our families, above our, our problems, above temptations, above all else, 
hatred, bitterness, lust, pride, covetousness, lust of the flesh, lust of the fly, lust of the eye, and pride of life. These things are based on that. Certainly, they're distractions. Certainly, they're things that can take us over here struggling with those. Maybe, maybe it's something minor. Maybe it's just, I'm pretty good at sarcasm. I'm pretty good at uh, justifying whatever I do. Pretty good at those things. These are distractions, and they're things that we have to work on, and if we're dedicated, God will help us with these things. It may be something that happens every day in life. It may be a tragedy. It may be an injury. It may be family. It may be pain. It may be a career. It may be leg- you know, legitimate responsibilities. Some of these good, some not so good. And it may be money, power, influence, the desire to be able to take it easy, to get to that point. If I can just do this, then I'll be able to take it easy. Intellect, boy, that's a big deal now. Passion, certainly. Drink or substance, science, especially science, falsely so-called. All of these things, some can be good, some are normals, and there'll be many others. Put your own ones on the list, but they're all things that we can lift up, hold on to at the expense of what's truly important. And they have four things in common. All of these have four things in common. They're all problems. They're all distractions. None bring peace and joy and hope. None of them. All require help. All of them require help. Help from God, help from each other. They all require help. And they can all be overcome with the love of God. Four things, good or bad, problems, distractions, they can all be overcome with the love of God. What are you hanging on to this morning? Do you need to burn the boat? Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's a little one. Maybe it's a big one. What are you hanging on to? So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. When we make a decision to be all in, to burn the boats, we cut off all means of escape, all means of retreat. Not going to do that. We're going to press forward. We're going to press forward with each other and with the love of God. We make the decision to refuse to allow ourselves that retreat. And when others see that in us, then they can become emboldened. They can become strengthened. They can do that. And we can't do it alone. Cannot. Cannot do it alone. Galatians 6 verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law. The law of Christ, Christianity, our entire faith was founded upon prayer, upon the study of the scriptures, upon fellowship, and upon practicing those all together in private and in public worship. Not being done alone. Certainly at times we have to, but this is a sport a team sport. We all need each other. We're one body. We have to have each other. And when we make the decision to ask someone for help, we're allowing that person to show us the love of Christ, show us the love of God, and fulfill the law. It brings us all closer. It's hard to do. Hard to do. Well, I want to talk to you. I need, I need to confide in you in some way. It's hard to do. If we do that, We are fulfilling the law of Christ and we're allowing others to serve in that Christian capacity that we're commanded to serve in. And the difference between we as soldiers and ancient soldiers, they were marching to who knows what. 
our victory is guaranteed. Christ has won the victory. All we're doing is participating in his victory. No one had it tougher than, than Paul did. After Christ, no one had it tougher. No one gave more than he had. No one had more reasons to retreat. But at the end, he put it this way, in 2 Timothy 4, starting in verse 6, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Now, if you're in the King James, it says ready to be offered. Why would those two be similar? Because he's referring to the fact that the high priest, the culminating act of the sacrifice before he, before they slaughtered the animals, would pour out the drink offering on the forehead of the animal running down beside the altar. I'm ready to be offered. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. So both of those are correct. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. Finished the race. Never quit running. Kept the faith. Henceforth, or finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Loved Christ coming for us. Loved the fact that Christ suffered and bled and died for us. Loved his appearing. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, through Christ, who loved us. The decision to f- serve God, to love him, his children, our fellow man, and follow his commandments, those decisions come first. But certainly, the feelings, the emotion will follow that. Romans 8 and verse 38 For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If we stay motivated, if we stay all in, if we don't drag those boats off the bottom of the bay, the blessings are without number. God does bless us. And those blessings start now, brothers and sisters. They don't start in eternity. This passage of Scripture a lot of times talks about eternity, and we use it, and certainly it may do that, but the reference is to today. The reference is to this present dispensation of time. And he says, but I has not written, excuse me, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man those things which God has prepared for those that love him. When we burn the boat or boats, God starts blessing us then, starts blessing us then, but it's not God's love if we cherish anything more than God. It's not God's love when we disobey. It's not God's love if we don't show that love to each other. It's not God's love if we choose to serve him and look for the way out. Make excuses. Don't agree to be all in. The lesson is yours. Maybe you have a boat you need to burn. Something between you and your God that you would like prayers of the church for. Or if you're not a child of God, we have water, we have clothing. We would love to assist you with either way, either means, if there's a gospel subject. Please come forward and let us know how we can assist you as we stand and as we sing.